to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and if we can put a man on the moon, can we not create a buoyant axe head by now for the love? Tim Ayers is here to talk about last weekend's sermon and to play us some songs I've never heard of. We will also dig into this week's scripture homework, but before we get to any of that, let's welcome in our favorite co-hosts, fresh off casting transference spells in the Jordan River like a couple ancient warlocks. Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. Good day. Good day. And Tim, good day to you. Uh, good day. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank guys, you. It's good to be here. Facebook Live Week 2. Week 2. It Say hi to everybody. Hello. Hi, everybody. It was not a complete disaster nope. last time. It was a hit. It was a complete disaster. Oh, Marin. <laughs> complete. <It was>. Why? <laughs> because we had to redo the first well, like, 10 minutes. Well, I messed minutes. up. Yeah, that's true. That's I forgot part to of the record. charm of doing that it was live. A yeah. yeah, but... <laughs> It, it ended up being fine. Right? Sure. Oh. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If it's up to Marin, we'd never do it again. <laughs> well, we're doing it right now. Yep. So here we are. Guys, uh, what's new? What's happening? Not much. I'm discombobulated. Why? Because I was just in Minneapolis yes. a second ago. We drove up there on Friday for my cousin's wedding, and we drove back yesterday, and it's just a long, long drive. That's yeah. very long. So did you drive up there? Yeah. The we, whole Rodriguez family? It was it was dad, mom, Olivia, and me driving up, and then it was just mom, Olivia, and me on the way home. So we forgot dad. <laughs> he left him in Minnesota. I couldn't remember where your dad was, but he's he's uh, off with, right. he, yeah, he's, he's with his got friends, these guys yeah. that he's been golfing with once a year, friends from a million years ago, yeah. and they've been doing it for decades. So Yeah. Yeah. That's a good them. thing. Is it's Dave a really a, good thing. Is Dave a golfer? Mm, not really. Well, <laughs> I, I, what do I know? I have never played golf oh, in my Tim, life. Oh, Tim. Really? I honestly thought that golf courses were made for cross-country meets. I must have been in wow. my 20s before I knew that people did something on them other than run. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so he's not a golfer. Did I, he bring clubs or yeah, anything? Yeah, he brought his own oh, clubs. Yeah. So he, he has did. his own clubs that he takes with him on airplanes. So he must okay. be... Well, wow. he didn't have clubs, and somebody found out he didn't and gave him, like, a really expensive <laughs> set. So he's got, uh, or if you okay, call it, well, I don't even good. know what you call it. Yeah, a set of yeah. clubs. clubs. Yeah. Um, so it's all good. What is a road trip with Dave Rodriguez like? Uh, like, I imagine, all right, so when my family travels, <laughs> it's like everybody, before we leave and after we leave, or, like, right before we're about to leave to go somewhere, whether it's coming home or going, everybody's just high-stressed, like... <laughs> Highest of strung <laughs> moods. Everybody's yelling at each other to get in the car. And uh, why didn't you go to the bathroom before we left? And that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. Is the Rodriguez, what is a Rodriguez road trip like? There were bits of that growing up, but now we're all really chill. Like, mm. and we have, I mean, I will volunteer to drive now. It's something that I would never have done in, oh, know, yeah. in high school. I'm like, yeah, I'll drive for the first three hours. Why not? You know, that kind of thing. So right. it's a lot more pleasant. Plus, because their car just finally gave out on them, they had to get a new van that kind of helps my mom with her work. Oh, yeah. She's like restoring furniture and stuff. So we were driving in a, a very nice new van that was very comfortable. So, yeah, okay. we're all fine. Great. Yeah, I've had a number of road trips with your dad, and they've all been really cool. I mean, it's time. How, and he, uh, I would say he's the brother that I never had. And when we get to be alone in the car, I can remember. Lots of times. One time we drove back from Petoskey, Michigan. And that's like nine hours. And yeah. It was just all really good. Everything from just laughing at stuff to talking about serious things. I love having time with him. That's good. Yeah. So you guys aren't just like listening to like 
worship music all the way up and stuff. <laughs> oh, of course. That's, <laughs> yeah. Well, we have to... Bible every, on tape. Every hour we have to spend yeah. at least 20 minutes in prayer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I used to tell people, people used to say, like, when I was growing up, they'd be like, what's it like living with Dave? And I'm like, mm. well, I would just make up stuff. I'd be like, well, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty intense at home. We have to pray five times a day yeah. and he doesn't let us listen to the radio, but... <laughs> oh. I'd be like, really? No. No, of course not. He's just my dad. So are you pretty wiped out now or are you... I'm, I'm just, did kinda, it feel like a vacation? No, it wasn't a vacation. It was just a lot of driving and whatever, but so I'm back and I'm trying to figure out what life is. So you know how that goes. Okay. So, by the way, thank you. I haven't seen you since, oh. since you did this, but, uh, Tyler came <laughs> over and fed Humphrey. He came over to the apartment to help us was bunny sit, bunny man. sit for, for one day <laughs> on Friday. So how did it go? Uh, it went great. I saw a lot of um, anxiety in Tim's, we'll get to it, but I saw a lot of the same anxiety in losing a borrowed axe head as bunny sitting because I was like, <laughs> yes. this bunny is super important <laughs> to Barry and Olivia. I hope I'm not doing anything to harm his well-being or like I hate, I, I, I would hate for him to like break out and run away while they're gone. So when did I see you? What what day were you watching? I saw you Friday night. Okay. So oh right. We saw each other Friday night. And then he said every time he opened the door, he was just thinking, please don't be dead. Please don't be dead. <laughs> yeah. Please don't be dead. Yeah, I was like he was man, high anxiety. I no, feel the, was, I feel the losing the axe head thing because <laughs> it no, was he a was borrowed fine. axe head. Yeah. He was quite healthy and he seemed to be perfectly fine Good. when we got home. So right. thank you for doing that. Yeah. <laughs> he uh he only charged me twice. Like, so I opened his gate and like went in to give him some food and he comes at me with his like front paws, just like, well, you wait, he, you'd never (laughs) met him before, right? This was the first time I met him, but I've never been like alone with him. (laughs) (laughs) I would have been, he's like, mom and dad just left. And all of a sudden some rando is walking in trying to put like pellets in my cage. He's in his like cardboard house. And he sees me open the door and put the pellets in, and he comes out with his paws just <laughs> coming that to hit box is me. That's why we're doing a Facebook Live. Oh, so yeah. They could see the, yeah, I forgot the we were yeah. just missed out on Tyler's impersonation yeah. of a bunny charge. Also, get this. This is kind of funny. This happened on Thursday, but um, the the person who found Humphrey, I've talked about this before. She's like a she's got like three million followers on Instagram. She's like, I don't know, whatever. And for whatever reason, on I think Thursday, she decided that she needed to post this whole long Insta story all about finding Humphrey and how important it was to like, you know, care for animals and stuff. And then she, at the end of it said, here's his Instagram, go follow him. And he doubled his followers in, in like a few hours. It was crazy. Does he have the blue check mark? Not yet. He's not, he's He's, not, he's not certified. (laughs) He's not certified Instagram. (laughs) No, but he's got like 450 (laughs) followers all of a sudden. That's cool. It's pretty fun. He's Insta famous. Cool. At Humphrey the bun. There he is. There he is. Marin, how are you? How are you? What's going on? I'm You're good. wiped. I you got to be wiped. Still, I'm still tired. It was a busy two weeks. You were two weeks on Grace Kids Camp. Yes, sir. And then yesterday or this weekend, you were playing in Fishers. Yeah. How how is the mental and emotional state <laughs> of Marin right now? And you I'm haven't sh- really had. Have you had like any break? Like, have vacation? you taken any vacation? Stop looking at me. I'm just saying. Quit you've talking you've to me. moved. You've been going up in yeah, Chicago no. again and again. Mm-mm, not time for a break. Um, I, I, told, I told Barry when he walked in, you ever feel like, like you got too many tabs open in your mind and like yeah. you can't close the tabs of the mind. That's mm-hmm. what's going on right now. I've got it's a million tabs open. You got to close some tabs, man. Phenomenal. Analogy. Control, I'll delete. 
<laughs> no, it's Command W. That's how I you close the tab. I just want to restart. <laughs> yeah. Force quit. What's going on outside of work? Outside of work. I had my last uh, Ukraine missions trip meeting last night where we, actually it was fun. It was a, We called it a packing party. And this is my first everything. I don't know if every missions trip does packing parties or what. A lot of, a lot of race trips do. Yeah. Yeah. Totally new to me. Yeah. So we packed all the supplies, art supplies, gifts that we're bringing. They call it party so that packing feels fun. They call it, it party is fun. because packing is amazing. once you get pizza and LaCroix involved, it is a party. LaCroix. Ooh. LaCroix. No, nobody <laughs> knows party like LaCroix. <laughs> yes. When you add bubbles to your water, insta party. So has, has anybody given you guys like a list of things? <laughs> Do you know there, there's actually a shortage of CO2 right now? No. And that in Russia, they don't have enough beer for all the people there for the World Cup because there's not what? enough CO2 in the world. Because to... of LaCroix. Oh, you know, I don't my know, goodness. but I, I saw a big thing on the BBC about it, and like half the world is in like CO2, whatever you call it, and they can't get <laughs> they can't get any soft drinks or anything with CO2 in it. So we should enjoy the fact yeah. wow. that we're Americans and yeah. we live in the land. We get to party yeah. with LaCroix. A Y2K level panic of like stock yeah. up no, on Lacroix before it's too late. Yeah. You're gonna have like a like a fallout shelter full <laughs> yeah. of Lacroix. Yeah, all of the bubbles. Oh, someday I'll tell you about some of those preparations. <laughs> <laughs> we got tons of CO2 world. <laughs> Eat it, haters. That's awesome. So here's what I want to know. Oh dear. Has anyone given you a list of like things that you have to do or eat or try when you are in Ukraine? No. Has anyone talked about any of that? Like, are you looking forward to any of the cuisine or anything? I am along for the ride. I heard about cherries. We talked about Ooh, yeah, how there's going to be cherries. some cherries oh, there. Yeah. They yeah. talked about some, like, banya. <gasps> oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I don't, I don't really know what that's going to be like. Put simply, you're going to love it. <laughs> it is the best experience you'll ever have in your life. Is that if so? you it like is. being really hot uh-huh. and, and you like people hitting you while hot, okay. you're going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> Great. If you like also then jumping into ice I don't cold like water. That yeah. That's the part I will not do. Just, you've well, got to. Don't it's say so you won't. I won't. <laughs> try it once. Do that. You got to do everything once. Try it once. That was my rule when I was yeah. doing World Next Door. I said, I'll try anything once. Yeah. That didn't put my life in imminent danger. Mm-mm. I would do it. So I'm the person that goes to like a regular like swimming pool, like the swimming pool at the Y. And it's like <laughs> toenail by toenail. I enter the water. Like <laughs> No, you jump. No. You got to <laughs> jump. All in. Or they'll dump a bucket of of ice water on, <laughs> on you. <laughs> Fresh out of the sauna. I'm suddenly more afraid of this than I am of the flight. <laughs> the first time I ever the went flight. to... Yeah. The flight's the best. That's the, Then you've got nothing. No one can get in touch with you. Yeah. It's just you and all the movies that you want to watch. Yeah. Airplane food. Really comfortable seat to sleep in. Okay. <laughs> it's like every 20 minutes you eat. Yeah. <laughs> they bring hot towels. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, you, are, you are flying first class, right? I, oh, no. wait. Oh, no, oh, for sure. In that case. You didn't Definitely raise that much not. support. No, no. But Tim was nice enough to bring me a suitcase, so now okay. I can actually, for real, start packing. Wait, so is this your last pod for a while? I think next Monday is. You'll We're do doing one, on one more, and then you're second. off two weeks. Yep. 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 All right. That's I'm awesome. Gone. I am jealous. I Ukraine is literally one of my favorite places on earth, at least specifically with in Jatomer with mm-hmm. to Ukraine. Yeah. The sweetest people I've ever met. You're going to love it. Oh, yeah. Except she's staying in Reichardt's. Where's that? I am, but we got a message this morning that there's something going on with the plumbing and that 
for the first two days of our trip, we won't be able to shower. So now I'm thinking of getting my hair braided. Reichardt's is like the most luxurious hotel Jatomer has to offer. Cool. So you're getting ready to go and a lot's on your mind. Yep. Are you playing any more between now and the time you leave? Naturally. On, in services? Yes. You are? I'm at oh, North Indy Marin. this weekend. North Indy. Represent. Burning the candle at both ends. <laughs> Marin Gaffron. Wow. It's all good. You know, the greatest thing that happened, and I don't know, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll talk about this now and I won't talk about it later, but um, I think I got more out of this scripture passage we were supposed to study for our homework this week than I thought I would. And I'll talk about that later. Yeah. But, so my son is in marching band and that's like a whopping probably $700 worth of dues between now and September. And it was a concern. How are we going to, you know, find room for that? What are we going to do and make extra money? Yeah. Blah, blah. So oh, yeah. <laughs> between now and <laughs> oh, North no. Indy, I picked up a couple of shifts doing some <laughs> sort of waitressing work, fundraising thing. It's like a school fundraiser thing, yeah. but I'm working 8 a.m. to midnight Thursday and then 8 a.m. to 3 Friday. Oh, and man. 7 a.m. to 3.30 Saturday. But wow. I am paying off all his dues and then some in three days worth of work. I mean, that's work. good. Wow. That is good. But that's are you going to take a, baller. Like a week off when you get back from Ukraine? I will do something. You're you going won't. to. We're going to make you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> or your body will, you, and you will have the jet lag disease. Yeah. That is, yeah. I made that so up. I made that up. But when you're jet lagged, like jet you always get disease. sick. Yeah. I'm on in Fishers the weekend I get home from Ukraine. No. So Marin. tell me how to quickly bounce back. <laughs> the best thing to do would be to get to Fishers at 6.50 a.m. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'll really help with the jet lag. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Yes. Tim, you were uh, busy this weekend. I was. Uh, yeah. What else is going on in, your, in the world of Tim Ayers? Any bike rides recently? Oh, yeah. I had a, a an unfortunate one yesterday. I went out with the uh, cycling guys from Grace. The Yeah. The Conquest cycling? Yeah, the Conquest yeah. guys. And it was a really great ride. Everything was really intense, and it was a good group. And I had four flats. <gasps> what? What? Yeah, I hit. But then I it hit only a, has two tires. Yeah, well, just think. Yeah. I, wow. And, and it was really a great ride, and we were pushing it, and... Um, I, I just have to say they're great guys, and I was feeling it too. I didn't. Fe- I I felt like I was doing my part, and yeah, we were riding really fast. And Andy Ish was there. I don't know if you guys know Andy Ish, but he's like a serious serious cyclist, and he was he was making it work. And yeah, I hit a a chuck hole and it flattened both of my tires, and so everybody stopped, and we had to fix those. And then one of them, once we got the tire, the tube in and we're putting it on the bike, it blew up. Oh my goodness. So then that was a third one we had to do. And those take a long time because the tires are really tight and hard to get sure. on. A, and wow. then, so we rode, I don't know, maybe 20 miles and we were on the way back and we were, we hit some long stretches at t- 25 miles an hour. We were just cooking and I was feeling right with him. And then one guy said, hey, Tim, I think your tire, rear tire is going flat. And it was dead flat. And we tried mm. to put air in it. And so I told them to go on. And my wife had to come pick me no. up. Yeah, yeah, it was oh. That's a bummer. And we went straight to the bike shop where they f- fixed everything. It was, it was, it, it was, I think it was just a mixture of old tubes and, and my rear tire was just a little thin and it made it possible to crimp i don't know it's just stupid i felt terribly because the ride would have been so good if mm. we'd have gone from start to finish with the paces we were pulling 
I would have felt like this old man has finally arrived. How's yeah. That yeah. But no, and they're great guys. Yeah. So, um, old, so old tubes are the worst. Yeah. <laughs> well, right now there is a Masonic Lodge in Deming, Indiana with three blown up tubes under the front bush because I wasn't going to carry them in the back of my So kit, that was going to so. be my question. What happens when you... Blow tires out on the on the road. Do you carry spares with I you? I do. I okay. carry. You carry. Well, I say you, but I carry. I would just sell my bike. Everybody, <laughs> everybody that sell your bike has <laughs> had this happen. You carry a little kit in the. You know, bike shirts have three pouches in the back, and in one I carry a flip phone that I paid eight bucks for that I only use, and I used it yesterday. I haven't charged it in three years. It worked fine. Whoa. It's still fully charged. That's how often I... And it has I, to be a Nokia. Um, and, yeah. then, and, then, and then there's a little pouch that I carry that's got these uh, tools that you use to get your tire off, mm-hmm. and then a CO2 cartridge with a thing that shoots the CO2 out, and then a, a, a tube. And so, like, most of the time when it happens, if you're by yourself, you can change it. But I've never had multiple – I've never had both tires go out on the same hole in, in the road. And yeah. Unfortunately, the guys all had tubes and they had CO2 cartridges. But by the time we got to the fourth one, there were no more tubes and there were no more CO2 cartridges. So, I was just stuck on the side of the road. So, yeah, I felt badly. And but I mean, there's not much you can do about that, I guess. No, it wasn't like I was – I was doing anything. Dope, yeah, it was dopey. unfortunate. Yeah, it was unfortunate. And then to uh, put it even, make it even worse. And I think Abby already heard this earlier, but we bought, went to the Carmel Market on Saturday morning and bought sausages that are called Fire in the Hole. <laughs> oh no, that <laughs> doesn't even sound good. So I I preached and then I rode my bike and had four flat tires and I had a sausage called Fire in the Hole for dinner. Let me just tell you. <laughs> The last one was the biggest mistake. This is really hard, you guys. I'm, I'm wow. let's just say. Were they that spicy? Oh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a go to the Thai restaurant and have it Thai hot guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I'm a, the guy that made them said, you cannot handle them without gloves. Whoa. <laughs> he said, we wear masks and gloves when we make them. And I wouldn't put anything else in the same. We cooked them on a grill. And my wife had some kind of lamb sausage and she said, here, taste this. And I took a bite of it and it was like, wow, that's so hot. And she said, oh, it probably came off of your sausage. Well, that scared me. But then when I got the real deal, I, I honestly have never had anything like that happen to me. It's an out of, it's, it's both at the same time an out of body and in the body experience. That's all I can say. Do you just, so you obviously love spicy food. Yeah, I do. What about... That experience is fun for you. Nothing. You attain, okay. you attain a higher level of, the, of the, reality. There was, there was no... Start to see dimensional I, I don't mind the spicy food. I don't mind your head being wet with sweat and all that stuff. This was not the same thing. This had almost a metallic quotient to it. I was like, I was eating it going... I, the first bite, I sat there for a second and waited. And then when it came, I said, I still have like eight inches of sausage to go. <laughs> I was like, this is oh, killing me. Oh, no. I, I have never been, and, and I and this is really stupid, but I didn't want to be awake all night. I'm, like, I wasn't going to be from the sausage. Right. But I didn't want to drink any caffeinated beverage. Sure. And I didn't want to drink anything that might 
milk. And so, so, and I was thinking milk. I knew milk would be the good thing, but I'd already had milk after the ride because I drink <laughs> chocolate milk after the ride. <laughs> and so I had this bottle of lemonade that was one of those two liter bottles and it was like half full. And three bites in, I, the bottle was empty. And I'm thinking, I'm going to be sick yeah, from the <laughs> lemonade, too. So it's like, it was all bad. Did and, you finish it? to make it worse, I was so tired. I went to bed at 8 o'clock. Okay, guys, this guy was in bed at 8 o'clock. Uh-huh. And I woke up, and I was feeling good. And I look at the clock, and I think, wow, it's it's 6 o'clock. So I got up, got dressed, got all ready to go do something that I would do at 6 o'clock in the morning. And then I happened to notice the clock, and it said, 1235. Oh, no. I was like, I was looking at a real clock with hands on it, you know. So yeah. It was like it was 1230 when I got up and not six o'clock. And Man. so I was up walking wow. around. It was stu- this thing yeah, rocked so, you. So you got all the way ready? Oh, yeah. I was dressed and I'd, I'd wow. done all the stuff you do in the morning before you go down oh and start. Yeah, I was ready for the day and it was 1235. So I want to know if any of our listeners or Facebook Live people have taken the fire in the hole challenge. If you got this at a farmer's market? Yeah, in Carmel. That's okay. sausage, dudes. We bought three kinds of sausage, and one kind was called fire in the hole. I just, the mental image I have is of these guys, they're like, they're like, no, really, we really recommend against you buying this and eating this. <laughs> they're like sitting what? there with big old industrial gloves on. <laughs> that's, what that's what I'm picturing. That- he didn't say anything about recommending. No, he was happy to take my $10 bill. Yeah. That's all I got to say. It's $2.50 a piece. I guess oh my I guess goodness. that's cheap misery. Yeah. We are so. the you know we're the only species on earth that intentionally eats foods that hurt us. Sure. Because of course we are. <laughs> Well, I was thinking I'd wild. put the other three out for the coons, the raccoons that come up, but I thought, I don't hate them that much. Yeah. You know, I, I yeah, that even, might hurt them. Yeah, yeah. I can remember when people used to say, well, if you've got raccoons, you need to put Tabasco sauce or cayenne pepper on the round. And I don't know. I don't want to hurt them, but th- this is like way worse than any of that <laughs> stuff. I've never said, never. Oh, had man. The hole. Man, that sounds wild. So in that same vein, let's talk about the sermon. Speaking of wild. (laughs) Uh, This past weekend, Tim, you talked about, um, you got really nitty gritty with um, the sermon about a story that I've never heard of about a floating axe head. And it's in 2 Kings. And you really fit right in with the model of BYOB. You talked about the world, different worlds of the text. And uh, you went heavily into detail, which I, I found fascinating. I was riveted the whole time. Um, but you also talked about, I mean, you focused quite a bit at the end on the world uh, in front of the text sure. with this. And so for anyone who may have missed it, can you kind of talk about um, maybe what you wanted people to take away from this past weekend? Well, I, I primarily I wanted them to take away the fact that anytime you read the history books, that you have to remember that God is the main character and that he is somehow telling us about himself. It, that the whole of the Bible, I believe, is God's self-revelation. And it's really true in the history stories, the narratives of the history books. And that he may not be mentioned, but we can always back up. And if we keep going high enough, it's probably going to be something fairly simple. And yet it's going to be profoundly helpful to us to know that that's true about God. And this story, and, and I, ha, I I did something on a whim that I, I told people what I my thoughts were about those five questions mm-hmm. at the end. And I, I had, I don't know how many people, maybe 
20 come up to me and say, thank you for telling us what you were thinking because we were trying to make it too deep and we could never, I could never come to any kind of conclusion mm-hmm. about it. And when you said, just don't be so hard on yourself to that one, what does God want me to do? Not be that, that just opened it up for me that I've got, I can look at it far less in a, a complicated mm-hmm. way. Yeah. And so I thought that that was, would be helpful because, um, I really believe that that's why we have the stories. Mm. The questions are, are helpful to get us to that place. But I think you can, if you don't try to go too far theological or anything like that, you're going to get something that's very basic and useful. Which I think I, I do this all the time. I'm like, surely it doesn't mean that. It has to mean something way more like deep. And I, I agree. My my dad actually said the same thing right after the, the service was, he's like, I, I, I always hear stories before and after the axe head story, but I feel like there, I, f- I feel like sometimes I, there has to be more, like it has to be more than that. So when you make it so simple, like God pays attention to the mm-hmm. details of your life in the midst of second Kings, where you say is mostly these like m- mystical and gi- giant events right. in the middle of it or in mm-hmm. sixth chapter, sixth chapter. Yeah. Uh, there's this little story about details and something that reading it in 2018, we're like, what? That doesn't even make any sense. But uh, you're to say, well, God cares about the details of your life. Like that, I think, is really important for people to understand that, like, sometimes it is that simple. Right. There's an interesting um, thing about Elisha in that John the Baptist, you'll have to follow this logic, but John the Baptist is said to come in the spirit of Elijah. And Elijah was followed by Elisha, and Elisha is the one who performs all the miracles. Elijah does not perform miracles. Elisha does. Jesus comes in the spirit of Elisha, Mm. though it's never said. It's very clear that these two things follow. And it's interesting that all of the miracles of Elisha almost line up identically to the miracles of Jesus. I just found, I never realized that that there's a feeding of the 5,000, but it's in the it's like in the hundreds, not in the thousands, yes. but it's almost the exact, exact same, story same story with Elisha. Well, we get all these. Now, here's the thing. You can get most of Jesus's miracles, but people always go, well, there's the one about walking on the water. But the truth is that the floating axe head is, is the parallel to walking on the water. And what is the person doing who's axe foot. He's being a what? A carpenter. Oh, yeah. He's cutting down Whoa. trees to build something. And then Jesus, now the Bible, now this is going to probably freak people out, but the Bible never says that Jesus was a carpenter. It says he was the son of a carpenter. Anytime that a text will say that Jesus was a carpenter, that's an in, they're adding that into the text. Hmm. But, but it does say he was a son of a carpenter. But the connection between carpentry and the ability to overcome the natural forces and do something like walk on water or make metal float, they parallel enough that you get the, okay, now the whole picture closes in and we can see that Jesus has come in the spirit of Elisha. Just as it's it's like, and and I don't, I don't know why people haven't written, but maybe they have written books on it, Barry. I don't know, but I I think it's like really an important thing for us to remember that, we should not be surprised by anything that Jesus does because Elijah, Elisha asked for a double portion of the power of the spirit mm. from what Elijah had. And John the Baptist never did any miracles that we know of, mm-hmm. but he stood up for God in ways that changed, changed things. And then the person who came 
with the spirit on him was Jesus. And he did the same kinds of things that Elisha did. And so I find that just really powerful. and yeah. connecting. But that's like that. That's interesting and, mm-hmm. and, and good to talk about like now, but it wouldn't have preached in terms of like, that's not where I wanted to go with that story. Right. I don't want to suddenly go, Oh, and by the way, this carpenter, you know, blah, 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 the carpenterness and all that, because the bigger point was that people just needed to know that God's paying attention to the details mm-hmm. of their lives. I had people who were just like in tears afterwards saying that was exactly what I needed to hear. Yeah. I don't know. Some of them I knew and some of them I didn't know what was going on in their lives, but they just needed to know that God was paying attention. And that's why I think the story's there. I think the story's there to tell us every once in a while to just break into the the vastness of the stories of that book and just remind us that God is interested in other things. That's why mm-hmm. I don't think we get the name of the prophet, the prophet that who loses the accent. Yeah. And um, something that really stood out to me is when you said, um, it's not, there are times in the Bible where God, it's not important for God to convince people that what they're thinking is wrong. Right. That's like, I really think I need to write that book because I'm, I'm, uh, unless it's been written, but that's one, I mean, I could go on and I mean, the Jacob's story, he puts pieces of sticks that he's got. Yeah. Puts them puts in the water, water trough. and that's to make the birth of the animals like that. If you put the strips of wood in the water, bark, then that makes the... When they're the, mating, they're, if they're when drinking they're, that... Then their babies when, will be striped or or not based on that. <laughs> makes and, sense. Uh, <laughs> right? Or that the description of the creation of Earth is of a flat plate with four posts of foundations on it. God never changes that. He just describes his creation as a flat plate with four posts that hold it up. The, the most, and if we've got, the, can I tell you the most amazing one that I find just to be like crazy cool? Okay, and I'll just, I'll try to say it real quickly. The ancient people believed that there was a substance within the gods, like our blood, that gave them life. Mm-hmm. And I have, I have, the name of it has escaped me right now, but it's a clear water-like liquid. The gods' lives were powered by clear water-like liquid. We, in the ancient world, people's lives were contained in the blood. Blood was the, was the thing that gave us life and vibrance. Jesus on the cross is stabbed to see if he's alive and out of his side comes blood and water and the guy the, the the soldier goes surely he was the son of god and so what it is is like he's they're saying the reason he thought that was because he saw the flood of water mm-hmm. that he was thinking would be the stuff that mm-hmm. that gave god's life how, how the gods would bleed yeah. and how what? a man would and a Pretty man much. would bleed at the same time so he's this is a way to tell ancient people that jesus is both god mm-hmm. and man at the same time now we don't get we're all just talking about the way the body's put together and where you'd right. but the truth is in the ancient world that statement was exactly the statement that everybody needed to hear jesus was fully man and fully god because he had both fluids in his body now <laughs> that's like way cool yeah it doesn't preach but <laughs> yeah. it's like but it's true <laughs> and that's an and and that's a place where they, there's no addendum on the side now of course the 
you know, there's no addendum there to, to correct the people's thing. Of course, there are no gods, and of course, there is no fluid which flows through the body of gods. But this was, you know, it's mm-hmm. nothing like that. And Jesus, I think, you know, if he just come, most of the time when he's healing people, he's correcting their notions of theology. Like he's, they're thinking that that person has this thing because they've sinned. Jesus doesn't come and just say, well, people don't get this because they sinned. He heals them, and then everybody thinks that they're being. I mean, it's just right. a const, this constant right. thing where he doesn't change their their sense of the. I hate to use the word existential nature of the universe, but that's what he never changes. He could have fixed half the stuff that was wrong in the world by saying, "Hey, guys." wash your hands yeah, right you know if you wash your hands half the diseases that you've got going on right now will take care of those he never tells them that though he had to know that as god in some manner hmm. and so i just i just find that stuff fascinating yeah but and you you pulled out some of uh, the resources that you've used yeah. you've probably like quintupled book sales of chronological charts of the old testament john walton's probably somewhere if he's still alive being like what is happening he's at at wheaton okay i I, my son is a swim coach at wheaton and i'm just hoping he's one of those guys who gets in the pool you know and swims Mm -hmm. back and forth so that i can like get an appointment like my son can know him because he's the swim coach (laughs) and then he'll go hey hey dr walton my dad thinks you're cool do you think he could like have lunch with you or something because i'm just like scared to death of him yeah so you would you'd get starstruck by John Walton. I would. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's awesome. awesome. I, I was starstruck. There's a guy named Kevin Van Hooser who was named one of the four top theologians in the world, and I um, had him as my advisor when I was at Trinity. And I didn't know who he was when he was my advisor. And all I knew was that he had two junior high daughters who'd been going to the cathedral school in Edinburgh, Scotland, all their lives. And now suddenly we're in a public school in <laughs> Chicago in a junior high. And he was like not knowing what to do. And so I figured that out right away and started talking to him. So I never got a chance to like be in awe of the fact yeah. that I was telling St- Kevin Van Hooser how to raise his junior <laughs> hires. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> we should email him let him know that you were slinging his books this weekend well, maybe you, you come make an appearance or something i don't know he's i've heard he's a really nice guy all right yeah cool so th- what i didn't know what you guys may may have known um the reason that this all clicked for me this past weekend was because you pointed out iron technology was new or uh, coming of age or whatever yeah it's and iron, so yeah. <clears throat> the idea of losing something that was made of iron especially if it's borrowed, was a big deal. Right. Yeah. And Because it was expensive. Right. Yeah. It's super expensive and it's not yours. Yeah. And right. I joked earlier about the, the parallel with Humphrey, but uh, I do feel like I take way better care of other people's stuff when I know it's in my care yeah. than I do my own stuff because losing someone's most valuable something mm-hmm. sounds terrible. <laughs> like, yeah. sounds so yeah. humiliating. Yeah. And so... Um, it all clicked because of the little detail, like, oh, iron was super valuable at this point. Like, well, and my point was, my bigger point on that was just that I got, now I've read a lot of other stuff about it, but the, enough to tell you exactly what was going on was in the, the book that I said I got it out of. I just put the quote from the book up so that anybody mm-hmm. can see if I just look at that Honestly, I named the Ivy Press biblical background book, the one book, which is actually a glorified version of the notes that are in the study Bible that we're recommending to everybody. Yeah. It's the same guy, John yeah. Walton. Mm. <laughs> Man. And he, his notes are, they're just, 
a little bit less uh, complex, I suppose you would say, in the study Bible at times. But you could have gotten that from the study Bible just as well. It was in there. And you don't have to... I mean, you don't have to have a library full of commentaries to get those that information. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's what that's what should be. I hope is encouraging for people is to realize that okay, no, you're not expected to just know all this stuff. It's out there to get. But what I love is that once you do know it, what, now you know iron is expensive. Mm-hmm. So now, anytime you see something that has to do with metal or iron, you at least have that little bit in your mm-hmm. mind. And that's what happens. The more you study, the more you read. Like mm-hmm. these little things start to build, and you start to get a more fully orbed. And that's the reason people think. Tim is is a genius when it comes to this stuff. It's because he spent years and years and years and years building up these layers of knowledge about the world. Yeah. For me, it, it fills in the picture. I feel like I've read that story and I've heard that story from the time I was a child and it was a black and white story. But bringing in practical elements like the fact that iron technology was relatively new, that it was expensive. Of course, he'd freak out because it was borrowed and he just lost it. That just adds layers of color to the picture and it brings it to life for me in a way that it had never come to life before. And immediately I connected with that sinking feeling Mm. of just inwardly like, oh, what am I going to do? Like I've had so many moments like that of having lost something of my own or having damaged something I borrowed from someone else. And I connect. You get like cold sweat, man. Yeah. There is a great moment that I didn't talk about, but when it says that it floated to the surface and Elisha had to say, grab it. (laughs) Because it was going to start floating down the river. Yeah, the tone of it is like, Okay, it's freaking you out that this is happening, but just grab yeah. it. And yeah. the story just, he grabs it and the story ends. And it's like, wow. and it's because uh, he was probably just as shocked, you know, that yeah. that, that happened. Which is so. then throwing my mind forward to like Peter stepping out of the boat and, you know, attempting to walk on water. Just the shock and then the fear and whatever. So with this guy seeing a floating axe that it was not his first inclination to grab it. He just right. wanted to kind of marvel at it. Aaron, look at you doing the comparisons. So what if... Yeah. Mind what if, tabs. Open new King James. <laughs> <laughs> so what if... This is what I'm thinking. I what if after this story... What if after the story, the transference stayed so much so that when he started trying to chop down the next tree, it just shattered because it was like wood at that point. That'd you be mean, a sad thing. The axe head, it oh, just became head. wood. <laughs> the guy's like, oh... <laughs> So I didn't just lose it. I broke it. Uh, well, the guy's I, like, <laughs> well, I, actually with transference, it's that it doesn't lose any of its uh, native qualities, but that it gains that like of a another. quality of something yeah, else. Something else so yeah. it's still metal. It's still heavy, but it floats now. Right. Well, it <laughs> floated for the time being. Right. Yeah. Cool. Do you guys know why it was hard to make iron? No. One of the main reasons is because they had to develop technologies that could get forges hot enough to be able to process mm-hmm. the, the metals at higher degrees. Like, so that was like bellows and things were hard in, and inventing coal and things like, mm. or not coal, but um, yeah, like charcoal and things like that. That was hard. That all took time sure. to figure out. So, well, so I, who do you think he borrowed the X from? That's, that's one question I have. And do you think he went back to the guy and said, you're never going to believe what happened? I absolutely believe he went back because we have the story. That's yeah. all I can yeah. say. We have yeah. the story, and so it it must have been uh, part of the 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 what we call the narrative that people carried around about the prophet Elisha, because we don't know exactly when it was written down, but it was after the fact, long after the fact, and it fit into um, it fit into the to the stories that people would want to keep, and yeah. so it had to be out there. And I doubt that Elisha went around saying, "You'll never believe what I did." 
Yeah, seriously. Because <laughs> he wasn't that kind of guy. Well, I love it. And we've, we've only got like, what do we have, like, couple more weeks left in this series or we oh, got a lot more. we got a lot more I think we <laughs> way seven, more that's seven, what i mean way seven, more weeks seven weeks yeah. so more. many more weeks yeah. yeah yeah we're just getting started oh yeah i'm excited about next week i'm doing the profits and cool i really really enjoy the profits yeah. so hopefully that'll come across all right and barry you're still doing the facebook live every tuesday mornings yeah, how's, how's that been going uh, good good i think the last couple of weeks a lot of people have been like getting ready for Grace Kids Camp, and so mm. I have, but I, I have had people, quite a few people, say they just they love that we're doing it. They love being like having a reason to to tune in and and yeah. have their Bibles open even for just twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I've had surprisingly a good number of kids that are interested to see whatever Humphrey's going to eat at the end. So. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Oh, but, speaking of kids, yeah. Can we kids? Kids are listening to this program. <laughs> Well, I know, I know. We are a family-friendly um, production, man. Yes, we are. We've covered spicy sausages, bodily fluids. Oh. Um, that's already. Um, kids are listening. Bodily fluids? <laughs> yeah, we yeah, were talking about blood and water. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. The yeah, but no, I think I met our youngest uh, pod friend. Her name is Aria, so I have to say hi to her. Aria. Cool. Hi, Aria. Thanks yep. for listening. Oh, yeah. And our guests next week will be kids. What? Who are they? Or is that a We're doing prophecy, right? Yeah. Okay, so Cindy Parkman's prayer team oh, cool. is made up of children. Yeah. And this is going to be awesome. we are inviting a couple members of her prayer team to come and speak to us oh, about yeah. their prayer life. And they are super into prophecy, and they speak with authority into Cindy's life. And <laughs> That's awesome. they're going to be here. Wait. There's two, two kids uh, coming, so that'll be great. So parents, if you're listening awesome. to this... Next week, perfect opportunity to hear some kids. Cool. Get your kids around the around the radio and listen <laughs> as a family. Gather around the cell yeah. phone family. All right. So this week's homework was Second yeah. Kings chapter four, verses one through seven. Which, by the way, I didn't know it was that until like twenty minutes ago. I thought it was something completely else. Some. Did you study for the wrong thing? Yeah. Oh right. You know why? Because we we had a different <laughs> passage originally, but then we switched it up. I. The early version you got was wrong. Or yeah, was I read not. about Nay Nahum. Yeah, Naaman. 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 Yeah. Being well, that, cleansed I had of leprosy. initially yeah. chosen that one, but it, we've decided it was probably too long of a passage. To, okay. Yeah. I was it, getting I was getting a lot of feedback from the first one, week or two that the passages were are too you pointing long. Pointing at me, Marin. <laughs> Marin. <laughs> the one. Yeah. No, other people were saying it too. So I went through and I I redid the homework passages to make them shorter and a little bit more easily digestible. Yeah. This was a good example, and it's actually a good passage because it's similar in some yeah. ways, similar to the uh-huh. one that we just talked about yeah i have some questions as we get into this about the similarities um okay so let's does someone have your bible open and we can just read it yeah i can do it can you do it yeah so all right here we go second kings four one through seven one day the widow of a member of the group uh, of the group of prophets came to elisha and cried out my husband who served you is dead and you know how he feared the lord but now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves what can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all, except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, okay, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. 
So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon, every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what's left over. Okay. World to the text. This is right after the story Tim talked about this past weekend. So it's still the same right, context. Right before, but yes. It's right before. Oh, right before. Yep. Right, right. Yep. Uh, it, so it's still the same context. Like Israel's broken up into two different kingdoms. Um, all the kings are kind of dopes. They're ruining everything, right? Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about the world behind that's a great way text. to put it. Yeah, that's all the kings. <laughs> I told are you dopes, I just learned this was like ten minutes ruining ago. Ruining everything. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah. So God is trying to save Israel through prophets, right? So this this is a widow from a group of prophets, right? Same group of prophets that went down to cut the logs. Probably the same. If they were serving with Elisha, I would say probably, yeah. I need to look into it more. I think the Hebrew is a little bit unclear, but people just assume this is what, that's the same group it's talking about. That's what I saw. In that was one, one of my yeah. questions that came up. I was like, hmm, giant group of prophets. Wonder if it was the <laughs> same. Um, I read a commentary that said the, the widow's husband was one of the 7,000 who didn't bow uh, to Baal. In First Kings, there was a cross-reference mm. that said, um, oh, this is God speaking. He said, I've reserved 7,000 in mm-hmm. Israel whose knees have not bowed. So he was like a remnant, like her husband. And then she yeah, even said, like, you know that he revered the Lord. Yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally possible. So what were these prophets like? Like, what, what, what kind of lives did they lead? Because if this is a widow of a prophet, I'm like, what would it be like to be married to a prophet who's speaking on behalf of God? I feel like they'd be super annoying. Yeah. What What did they do? That was well, one of my questions. And it, you, you, I, I want to hear what you have to say, Tim, about this. But from my perspective, this falls into the same category of what you said in the sermon of like the Pacers. What the thing you said about the Pacers? Like, there's all these reference. You can have to explain that. Probably. We, no, I want to play it. Okay, I have a yeah, clip play of him it. talking about Pacers. If you pick up the paper and the the headline says Pacers pick first round choice from UCLA. It doesn't have to say basketball is a game. Mm -hmm. It is played on a court that is 80 feet long with two hoops on backboards at the ends of the, you see what I'm saying? Pacers, you know exactly what's going on. Draft, are we talking about beer or are we talking about people going to the army? Do you see what I'm saying? The Bible's written just like this. They assume we already know everything. None of that was in my notes, but I just thought I'd give it to you, okay? <laughs> so, And it was awesome. That wasn't that in was your really notes? No. That was brilliant. It's, it's so it brilliant. It's so brilliant. And that's exactly what I think is hap- could be happening here. Like when you look through all the prophets, you get these little glimpses. Like you get a story of Jeremiah who has like a competing prophecy with another prophet and like it's this big kind of dueling prophets kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then you've got here, you've got these groups of prophets doing stuff. Uh, there's, I think also in Jeremiah, this longer narrative about J- Jeremiah and the guy that wrote down his prophecies. So right. you, you get these glimpses at what life might've been like for prophets, but it's all just pieces. It's not, right. it's not, no one sits down and explains. Let me explain what prophets were like yeah. in the ancient world. Tim, right. would you add I, to that? I would say that they were, a, this is, 
Uh, they were considered to be absolute patriots. Their hearts were f um, wanting to save the nation, to take it back to its roots of what God had called it to be so that it would live in a manner that it was supposed to. And that's why they would study together to learn the ways of God because they were being so polluted and confused by the culture around them. And they were, so I would say their patriotic position was not so much like rah, rah, Israel, but we want to, we want to stand for this people mm. that God has called out in a way that we can both glorify him and be the people we're supposed to be in the world. And so that, I think that's what's driving them. They would, I don't know that people just woke up and had some kind of vision or saw something or did yeah. something. You know, I don't know that. I think that they were called from out of their people because of their heart for the truth and for the yeah. nation. And then by virtue of being in the presence of these other prophets who'd been at it for a long time, they began to open themselves up to the power of the Holy Spirit. We see oftentimes when they're in ecstatic uh, moments and all kinds of stuff, a lot of stuff happens in moments that we would not recognize as normal, um, just living. But I think that comes from being in the community. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I think Barry's absolutely right. We don't have a really clear picture of it. Sometimes these guys just show up and they give us one thing and all we know about them is they were farmers. Right. Yeah, or so. like we'll have a book, like one of the minor prophets, Micah, or something like that. We'll have a whole book, which is just stuff Micah said, with very few references to stuff Micah did. It's it's just, yeah. Well, they're, sometimes they, that's different, but. Yeah, the assumption is that they're speaking on behalf of God. Mm -hmm. The reason we have, <laughs> the reason that we still have it is because what they said came about. Right. And so the. The, it wasn't unusual for them to write things, to have someone write things down so that they would be able to have a record that they would know what they were working with. But people didn't even consider it important a lot of times until after the fact. Mm -hmm. So, Could anybody be a prophet? I don't know. It's a good question. I don't, I don't know. Because I feel no. like this is, because I'm asking because this is the widow of a prophet. Mm -hmm. And if, <laughs> I'm just imagining like, arguments between oh my. married couples and she's like trying to voice her opinion and her prophet husband's like, well, I speak on behalf of God. So no. uh, well, I don't, <laughs> they're regular people. Oh, okay. It's like, honey, when, you, when are you going to, when are you going to take care of our, of our taxes? Hey, prophet. Yeah, I, I'm a prophet. Well, so. and one of the things that when this text tells us is that they were regular people. He obviously had borrowed money from somebody else. He had borrowed. Borrowed, borrowed heavily. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Super in debt, right? Yeah. This yeah. told me that prophets were allowed to marry. This told me that prophets, you know, lived lives like most of us where they're, you know, borrowing from somebody. And also maybe the prophecy wasn't super lucrative. <laughs> Well, and in, in, in Sunday's sermon that they had a trade, you know, yeah. let's go chop down some wood, build a bigger place because this place is too small. All right. So what, um, what else behind the text do we need to know regarding this, this piece of scripture? Uh, behind the text, it's useful to know a little bit about what it meant to be a widow in the ancient world. And we've talked, we've touched on that in the pod in the past, but um, maybe Tim, give us a, 
overview of being a widow. Of being a widow. You mean, wasn't wasn't great. No, it wasn't great. In fact, the the whole marriage system had a dowry system so that if you became a widow, you would have something to take care of yourself. Clearly, there was nothing like that for her. Also, uh, Jews are not supposed... I don't know that his deal had been with somebody who wasn't a Jew, but Jews are not supposed to sell other Jews into slavery. And so this person who's coming after them is actually breaking the yeah. law by wanting to put taking the children into, and sell them into slavery. That was going to be my question. Like, if you're not paying your debts, you get to take people's kids? Absolutely. It ha People sold their children frequently oh to pay goodness. off their debts. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that is not an unusual thing. Wow. So, yeah. Um, but widows, widows were on the edges of everything because they had no one to uh, take care of them. They Women did not have... Um, careers very unusual for women to do anything other than to be cloistered in the family to stay in the home and they could and so they if if not left with anything from their father they could be in really big trouble hmm. yeah. yeah and it, i mean you see god's heart for widows in, that, in those situations all throughout scripture mm -hmm. from like like the law, the Old Testament law talks a lot about how to care for widows. And you even see it in the New Testament, mm -hmm. the church, there's all these discussions about who's going to take care of, you know, feeding all the widows and, and distributing things for them. So it's like, this is a theme that you see throughout scripture. Yeah. yeah. In the Iron Age time, it's, it's really hard too to tell the difference between a woman whose husband has died and a woman whose husband has just gotten rid of her because it was, it was legal well, it's even legal up into Jesus's time, but the, it was legal to let a wife go simply for not having a child in the first seven years of marriage. And and by the time, I mean, I know this is long, long before Jesus, but by the time you get to Jesus, they had really worked the, the laws so that a man could get rid of his wife or just about anything. And those women fell into the same category as a widow. Yeah. Hmm. The, the other thing is if she was a widow and her sons were going to be taken away and sold, that's even worse because the people who are supposed to take care of mom when dad dies is the sons, right. and if they're gone, she's in real trouble. Hmm. Another, what are, oh, yeah, what, go ahead. Let's get another world behind the text thing. Olive oil. Mm -hmm. Olive oil. Super important, super useful. It was everything from food to uh, you'd put it on your skin to give you good glowing skin and your hair. It was used in ritual stuff. It was used it was Absolutely, just yeah. all over the place. Did they have pyramid schemes where people would sell little <laughs> tiny bottles yeah. of it? Yeah. They're like, like oh, they this today is the original <laughs> essential oil. oil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> oh, you just made a lot of people mad. Oh, whatever. And I've got lavender going in my kitchen right now. You do? Right now. Have you put that like in between your toes and <laughs> no, fallen not. asleep really I'm not doing fast. all that. <laughs> I just okay. don't want my house to even... smell like my dog. Um, your uh, dog smells like lavender? <laughs> oh, I get it. That's to compensate there for the go. dog smells. Yeah. What, um, what about world of the text? What do we need to know? Uh, widows. Again, that would be a world behind and world of. You okay. can you can see a lot if you actually and olive oil. If you look at those two things and search for other places uh, in the text that you see those themes, uh, often they they actually they coincide. I did a word search of just olive oil out of curiosity, and it's a bajillion times in the text. But specifically within First and Second Kings, which Tim pointed out was originally like part of one text. 
You can find, guess what, in 1 Kings 17, the story of the widow of Zarephath or Zarephath or whatever, who yeah. Elijah helps with basically unlimited bread and right. bo- and is, bottomless bread and olive oil. Is that a miracle that, would you say like that's one of Elijah's miracles? Because I had a question about that. So he he tells her to go and make him some bread. And then once she's done that, her oil won't right. run out and her flour won't run out until it rains again. Right. It's yeah, I suppose we could say that's a that's a miracle of Elijah. All I'm, right, Elijah, I'm, you get one. You get one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, he's just not known for this that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. The, but we have to remember too, if we're going to talk about the the world of the text, that these are historical narratives that are trying to tell us something about the character of God. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. this is, and so what we're seeing in this moment is that the man who represents the heart of God and the voice of God in the world shows a great deal of concern for the person who is being unjustly brought to a place of poverty and in a world in a world that this should not happen a Jew should not do this to another Jew particularly to us to the wife of a prophet mm-hmm. and so and and it would also probably mean that I mean debts are supposed to be uh, People are supposed to be released from debts every seven years. And there's all kinds of things that should be happening to help her. And God's heart is towards her because the system has so broken down that now she's, her husband dies and she's in a world of hurt. And so God, he saves her through the multiplication of something that everybody knows is valuable. Mm -hmm. And And also the oil is so much a part of the anointment or Mm -hmm. the, the sign of someone being chosen by God for a specific reason. Mm -hmm. And there she is with more olive oil than she knows what to do with. Isn't it a symbol of the Holy spirit? Is it symbolic of the spirit? The anoint. Well, there's the, because of an anointing, the anointing aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious, is there a, an analogous miracle of Jesus that has to do with this specific one or did that one not, not make it into the New Testament. You mean the multiplication of? of I the, guess there's the feeding of the five thousand, but well, there's also the water, water to, to wine, wine. Mm-hmm. and I mean, uh, there's there's all kinds of things where, um, where. Now let me get this right. A lot of the miracles of Jesus are normal processes that speed up. Oh, okay. Storms stop. Fish multiply grain becomes bread, all these things through processes that he just speeds up. Mm. And you could say that olive oil reproduces and he, he speeds it up, but I don't know that, let's see, other than the multiplication of the bread and the fish, it's just a natural process that he, he speeds up. Mm. My brain is flashing back and forth between old Testament and new Testament. Um, one of the world of the text things that it studying this passage, um, thinking about who were these prophets, her husband was one of those prophets led me to, uh, first Samuel chapter 10, verse five. Um, and I believe this is, um, right before Saul is made King. Um, after that you will go to Gebeah, 
of God where there's a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres, timbrels, pipes, and harps being played before them, and they will be prophesying. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and then you'll be changed into a different person. Uh, once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. So we're seeing that these prophets were chosen, that the Spirit of God was upon them. You asked the question about, in the New Testament, what's the, what's the analogy? Um, I'm thinking... In the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters will prophesy and your old men will have visions and dream dreams. Maybe where in the Old Testament, it was for a select few. Right. That's now exactly, in the New Testament, yeah. it's for all of us. Everybody. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Hmm. All right. Let's talk about the world in front of. All right. Let's do it. So hearing this, I'm thinking of, uh, so in the last like, Three days, our well is broken at my house. I don't know what's wrong with it. It's just making crazy noise and no water comes out of our hoses. Um, and there's like two or three other big things that you're like, oh, why are you going? Like, why are you breaking right now? And my wife in the middle of it. And I'm I'm one of those people. I don't know if there is even this kind of person, but I'm the kind, I am a person that's like, I just want all my stuff working. Right. <laughs> You're that guy? Yeah. You're oh, that guy that doesn't want things guy. to break? <laughs> I just yeah. get so annoyed when my stuff's not working correctly. <laughs> like, even if I don't use it or ever look at it, I want it to work when I need it, right? I, and I so that. I'm the same way. Yeah. yeah. Who so, isn't that way? Well, some people like I fixing stuff. I love when stuff. things break. Some people like fiddling and fixing stuff. <laughs> I don't know how to fix many things, but, like, everything from my, my cable to, I mean, it's how privileged of me, right? But, right. So there's like four things that are really expensive that are broken. And in the middle of it, my wife's like, well, what do you think God's trying to tell you? Oh, okay. All right, Lauren. And I'm reading this and I'm like, I mean, we have our own, at the beginning of the year, I was like, our goal for the year is to get out of debt. Mm. And so I'm thinking of ourselves and I'm like, um, this is showing me that God shows up for people. Um, cares about the details. Yeah, he cares about the details. Yeah. He shows he's showing up for this lady who her kids are about to be sold away, and she has no options, and she's just putting her faith in someone who says they speak for God. And so, when my wife says that, and then combined with this, I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe I just need to chill out. Like it's okay if my well's broken for a few more days. That is awesome. So that's your world in front. Yeah, because you you said chill out. I wrote. What does God want me to stop doing? Stop freaking out. Those are my words. <laughs> like, that's my world in front of the text is similar yeah. to yours. Like, what are you freaking out about? Um, well, it was like, oh man, my son's in marching band. This is a lot of money. Mm. What are we gonna do? You know, just things like that. Or we had a similar uh, storm of life where you know full well the house got flooded right. out. You know, the rental. It was a borrowed house and it was flooded. <laughs> and it was, very stressful. <laughs> and then two weeks later, our garage door in our new house broke, you know, oh, just, man. it's just one thing after another. So what does God want me to understand? I'll just read my five questions. God, God provides. Mm -hmm. He wants me to understand that he provides. What does God want me to believe? He's faithful. That's first one. And that he'll protect my children. There's an aspect to the story, um, mm. that is resonates with my mother's heart, man. If my kids were 
in danger, if my kids were being threatened, I would march up to the man of God and do the same thing. You know, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? I'm freaking out. I'm going to lose my kids. Um, So there's an aspect that he cares about that, not small detail. That's a big thing. He cares. He cares about the welfare of my family and my kids. What does he want me to desire? He wants me to desire more of him. Um, I love in the story where Elisha says, okay, go ask for some jars, but don't just ask for a few. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sure she would have been happy with just enough to pay down her debt. Yeah. But he is saying, don't just ask for a few because you're going to get that and then some. You're going to be able to live off of what you have left over from what he's given you to to pay your debt. Saying ask for all the jars. All of them and then yeah. some. Yeah. Um, what does he want me to stop doing? Stop freaking out. Mm-hmm. Um, that's number one. He wants me to obey because she did do that. Um, went and got all those jars. And then this was a big one for me. He wants my children to see the miracle. So mm. the sons were handing her the jars mm. And they were very much part of the process of witnessing God's provision. And I've talked about that on this pod before, all the times in my upbringing where my parents were down to their last dime and, you know, somehow magically a check would come in the mail or, you know, just a a well-meaning, loving family friend. Um, I remember one time, I've never told this on the pod, but when we were real little kids and I forgot this story, my brother reminded me of this story a couple months ago. Um, my parents were down on their luck, having some hard times, and Craig Boyer bought us all Christmas presents. Oh. And I totally forgot. Like, my brother reminded me of that. It, it, yeah, just crazy. So people like that in our lives, um, that was before Craig ever left Chicago and came here, but um, the way that God provided for us, and that was something that my brother, um, who only recently really came back to desiring a relationship with God, that was something... 30 some odd years later, that still stuck out in my brother's mind of God's providence. So letting my kids be a part of the process to both witness the need yeah, and see how God supplies the need and letting them be agents in that. Um, Jaden, you better figure out how to fix garage doors. That boy is getting a job. I promise. You'll see the miracle, Jaden. Hey, um, what does he want me to do? He wants me to trust he wants me to ask him. She, she, she could have tried to figure things out on her own, but she went and she asked the man of God. Um, yeah. And she brought her kids along with her. So mm-hmm. that was, that was probably the most revelatory thing for me. It's just, man, God does provide. He wants me to desire more and not just stop short or sell myself short of what I think he can do, what I think he's capable of. And he wants to reveal himself to my kids while he provides for me. Yeah. I, I, I'll build off of for myself, what you said about the fact that don't just get a few. That's what the NIV says. And the NLT says, borrow as many empty jars as you can. And so she goes around, she asks all of her neighbors, gets these jars. Um, And then the little detail in verse six is uh, when they run out of jars, then the oil stopped flowing. And so for me, I thought about that and I don't know what this means or what to do with it. All I, all I thought was the question, how many jars am I bringing to God? And so Mm. conceivably if she had spent 
like a lot more energy and time and got jars from the next village over and got <laughs> jar, you know, had a whole house full of jars. Conceivably, the oil would have filled every one of the jars. So like you said, you know, not just a few, not just enough to, to meet the basic need, but to allow God's abundance to flow into my life. The question is, how many jars am I bringing to God? Now, I don't know what that refers to yet. Right. So I yeah. have to think about that and chew on it. But that was the question that immediately popped out to me. Um, when I'm asking God for something, do I trust him enough to go above and beyond what I'm asking? Or am I just saying, if you could just maybe, you know, do the one little thing that's yeah. really great. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, so I, that's, that's what I'm chewing on. Um, again, I don't know specifically what that refers to in my life yet, but I'm going to file it away. Mm. All right. All right. Anything else about this, about this uh, piece of scripture before we uh, head into our next segment of music? <laughs> no, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So last time, musical. Tim, you were here, we asked you to bring a couple songs that were impactful for you throughout your life or different parts of your life. Marin, you did the same. We've we've done that again. And we're calling this songs Tyler's never heard of because last, <laughs> last time I hadn't heard of any of those songs. So I, last time I knew what Tim was bringing and he didn't know what I was bringing, but this time I have no idea what Tim's You have no got, idea. So I'm well, super excited. I don't either. <laughs> um, so we're going to play four different songs and we'll talk over them. Who's who's singing, Who what the band is, why this matters to you guys. And um, we'll just see how that goes. The first one is called Never Remember. Okay. Yeah. This is um, a band called. Okay. Go ahead and turn it up there. Crank it. This is like... in my life it's okay uh, what I like about them is they are they're the grandchildren of soft machine and soft machine just rolled over me when I was 16 <laughs> it's like I can't it's like just raw real instruments just playing and so big and it's like such so, wow. a groove yeah and everybody can really play but they just sit back in it and it's yeah and it's always a good sign when Tim emails you and he's like, I have CDs for you because none of these songs are going to be found on the internet. They're That's just, amazing. They're just that you, that whole song just keeps going. And now listen when to this horn. Listen to this horn player. the drummers <laughs> you, you know when I wouldn't when yes. I would not listen to this is like 
driving home after a really stressful day. Oh, you know oh, what this no, song is? Oh, no, that'd be perfect. Turn it back up there. No, you know what this music is? This is the music in a movie when two guys are in a car, and they're driving down the road, and they're going to kill somebody. <laughs> They're not looking at each other. And the one guy's, it's an old, you know, like a 1970s galaxy. And they're just driving. What? And they're, and they're not talking, but they know they got a really awful thing to do. <laughs> and they got to do it. And <laughs> this band is just so amazing. And Soft Machine was... So, all of you Soft Machine fans out there? Yeah, all of you. Tom Hook step to name them all. <laughs> to name them all. <laughs> it's like we that, love you, Tom. That band just, I could not believe they thought of that music. They're the first band that I ever saw had a double album that had four songs on it. Whoa. <laughs> Think about that a while. <laughs> and uh, But that song, if you play it really loud while you're traveling somewhere, you will just feel so good about being on the road. This is the, super awesome. Yeah, it is. But a, none of us can find it anywhere because it's only on CD. Yeah, if you want it, Tim's got CDs, everybody. <laughs> he'll, burn you, he'll burn you a copy. Yeah. What, what year is this? When is this from? It's not that old. It's The reason that I liked it because it reminded me so much of Soft Machine. I know I keep mentioning Soft Machine, but you know that back in the day, between them and there, there John Walton, there were two bands. The there were two bands that toured with Jimi Hendrix. One was a band called Chicago Transit Authority that yes, became yes. yes became Chicago, and then Soft Machine toured with Jimi Hendrix. And his deal was, I'm gonna let Soft Machine do the weird stuff. Wow. <laughs> Guys, if we are able to to manage this, if if John Walton likes Soft Machine, <laughs> oh here's what my we need to goodness. do. It. We need to surprise surprise Tim with a casual Soft Machine listening party with John Walton There's, oh for his god. birthday. No, oh my god! You know, my next birthday is my 65th birthday. Wow. There we go. Perfect. And, uh, Can we and please? Let me, just, let me just put it out there. There's no such thing as a casual listening party with Soft Machine <laughs> <laughs> or with John Walton. Someone's ending up at the ER at the end of that. That's yeah. what you're saying. Uh, yeah. yeah, that that they if yeah, they had to name all their albums by the number one, two, three, four, like that, because there was just no other words to describe. Oh my goodness! <laughs> wow. All right, I've got to go home and look them up now, because Chicago Transit Authority, I'm well versed in there, but Soft Machine, not so much. All right, Marin, you're up. We've got Holy okay. River. I asked my kids. I'm like, guys, I'm, I got to bring two songs to the pod. What are two songs that you're like? That song reminds me of mom. That's mom's jam. And this is the first song my son said. He's like, oh, Holy River. So I've talked before on this show about how one of my favorite worship bands is um, essentially from Nepal, but like they worship right. in Hindi. So this is, I finally get to this play them that. for you. Mm. This is them. They're called Aradna. And I've looked up translations because obviously we don't know what he's saying, but he's saying, Water, give me water, I'm thirsty. Hmm. How do you find this? Well, they're actually funny stories. They're connected to soft machine. <laughs> no, they would play a festival that I used to play at. They Cornerstone. You went there. They yeah. play Cornerstone a lot. Right. And I had friends that would sit in on their sets hmm. and, you know, okay. just all that scene. 
I like this one. They have a lot of songs that are just in Hindi, but this one is a blend of Hindi and English. playing right now what's the instrument sitar tablas bass electric don't think there's an acoustic in there sitar is that like what is that so it's like is a, it a table it's it's, no. the, it's no. not a guitar it's like a big long no, it's giant a big, fat guitar got like a gourd okay. as a body it's yeah got yeah it's got multiple, a bell on the top multiple okay. strings you can move the fret positions and you sit while you play it yeah, the picture of the guys, he's sitting on Indian style on carpet. There you go. Playing a sitar. My son uh, dressed up at, as him for Halloween one year. What? <laughs> <laughs> he is like a hero to my son. He dressed up as this guy? That guy, yeah. Jaden's a deep well, man. We saw this band in concert just together. Did- they, ha- they played a set that started at midnight. And there's nothing my son wanted more than to go see them play this set. So it was beautiful. Just what, awesome. What did people say to him when he showed up with a bag of candy looking <laughs> like this? He looks um, like he's just wearing his bathrobe. I, I have a picture of the cardboard sitar that was like full scale that I made him. <laughs> so it was pretty awesome. I'm really wow. proud of it. Did, did anyone know... No, no one no, knew. No one. <laughs> no. Did they all go Ravi Shankar? Yeah. Well, he, right, exactly. No, not Ravi. He had a, when Ravi died, um, his face was on one of the newspapers um, that wasn't, it was in the Indian neighborhood of Chicago where we would go quite right. often to eat. So we took that newspaper home and Jaden put it on his bedroom wall. So he, he had that up there for a while. But what I like about this, aside from how smooth and mellow and worshipful it is, so the singer grew up a missionary's son in Nepal. Um, he lives in Canada now. Yeah. Um, but what they're doing is they're taking the Ganges River, which is called the Holy River, and it's kind of in Eastern mysticism like the giver of all life. Mm. And what they're doing is they're they're saying, actually, <laughs> you can you can never thirst again. And at the end of uh, what is what is the lyric? I at couldn't th- tell you. <laughs> at the end of the song, the last lyrics are "Go, go, surrender to the Lord Yeshua. Your thirst will be quenched at His feet. Eternal life, where there is no hardship, awaits, awaits you. Without the Lord, nothing truly exists on earth." Hmm. So they're taking this holy river concept of the Ganges, yeah. and they're saying, actually, without the Lord, nothing truly exists on earth. It's amazing to use. Verbiage and language. Yeah, you know, I'm into it. That's it cool. What do you best. think, Barry? Yeah, I like it. I really like it. I love the the contextualization of the gospel into that. Yeah, that place and that culture. Cool. Let's do another one from Tim. Okay, this uh, this is called Watch Out, and it's one <laughs> take. It's a band live in the studio. One take. All right. That's rad. It's got to be loud, guys. It's got to be really <laughs> loud. Cause it- Can 
It's me. <laughs> I thought it was you yes. because it has this Rick Ocasek Cars vibe. Like Tony O'K. Did you listen to Tony O'K? Yeah, I listened. I was literally about to say this sounds a lot like the music you used to make, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> so, wh- what do you mean? You, this is in one take. Just Were you that. all kind of in the same room? We they just said studio. one, two, three, go, and they just did it. Turn that up. I love this part. <laughs> his house. I'm listening to that solo. Turn it up. talking okay i'll tell you exactly what it was it was drummer in the big room of the studio uh-huh mic'd everywhere four guitar four tube amps in four separate uh isolation booths wow the bass play and i was not in the room with any of them the bass player in the in the control room playing his bass straight straight into the board and me with a vocal mic. Wow. And we finished it. It was like, bang. And the producer goes, I think we got it. I think that's a take. For real? <laughs> wow. That, yeah. And and it's like, the you know, like. Some, that never happens. You that know, is... some people run a four minute mile. Wow. Other, other people go to the moon. I recorded Watch Out in one yes. take. Yes. <laughs> that's the unicorn of the music world. Yeah. That, that, that You guys all looked at each other happens. like, well, we've got the now, booth scheduled till seven. So, <laughs> well. Let's write another. Well, the, and the guy that produced it, Alan Johnson, is just a genius. And he, he worked with it. I mean, there are places in it that I can hear where he would take, because each, each amp had different. Well, actually, that was just a, a Fender Jaguar plugged straight in. One amp had a like a tube screamer on it, mm-hmm. but otherwise it was just the amps as loud as we could get them. Just turn them up until, and that's why occasionally in here you'll hear them feedback. And I, it was just like. But I love that feedback. Oh yeah, I, I would think that he did that on purpose. That was so. Well, he artful. left it. He left it in in those spaces because it was making all that wonderful noise. Yeah. And it's very '90s. I know that it's very '90s. To, you know, very posies to have your guitar feedback. But I, I just, it's like one of those things. Like, I live with that song, knowing that I, I experienced. And Mark Schumann and uh, Matt Troyer were the other two players, and they're killer players, and they just. It's that's that soulful drummer, and we had no click track, no nothing. That's we awesome. just go, let's just let's just run the tune. Yeah, it was like let's get this all organized that's and let's awesome. just run the tune, and we ran it. <laughs> and Alan, I'll never forget him going. 
I think that should, I think we've got it. I think that should take us. <laughs> That's so cool. That's cool. Uh, Saturday, I get home. I don't know where we got. I we got home from from dinner, and it's Milo's bedtime, and we pull up, and there's a kid across the street or next door. He's next door. He's sitting in his yard with an electric guitar. He's got his <laughs> legs crossed, and his amp is plugged into his front yard light post. And so he's just sitting there playing electric guitar in his front yard. That's your neighbor. Cranked, my neighbor. Yeah. And I remember thinking, it's never Tim Ayers that's sitting in his front yard <laughs> playing like an Irish jig or anything. It's always the kid who's had 30 minutes of like guitar lessons. Yeah. Because it was he was like plucking along and just like yeah. plodding and hitting the wrong notes. Did and you see what your wife posted today? No. That kid, the song that he's he doing was playing it again? today. Well, now he's playing the final countdown, so he's really coming along. Oh, he's, along. he's advanced. Yeah. yeah, I was like, it's never like Dave Matthews sitting in his front yard playing guitar for the neighborhood. It's always the kid who barely knows what he's doing, but he thinks everybody wants to hear it, so he plugs it into the light you post. You know, my upbringing was the garage band era, and everybody, that's a real thing. You would, you'd go outside in the evening, and you'd hear this music. Through the neighbor, through the neighborhood, and so you go. Oh, so and so's band is practicing in the garage. Yes. It was a really normal thing to hear people's bands doing that. Were you all- not in a garage band? I was in a garage uh, band. Yeah, for sure. But this kid is not that. This kid <laughs> is like, hey, I just got a brand new guitar. I wonder how this works. We just bought my son a garage so he could have a band in it. That's really funny. I was in a, I was in a garage band. Oh wait, it was actually just me alone in the basement with my French horn. <laughs> So mellow. Oh, man. All right, last song? Yes. Okay, dear listener, this is a gift. If you have not yet listened to Josh Girls, or if you're one of those people who comes up to me all the time talking about how K-Love is not your jam, good news, dear friends. There are Christians making music all over the place in every style imaginable. Is this Tim in a garage band? Absolutely. Yeah, but you guys look like you know what you're doing. The kid next door, not so much. All right, Marin, tell us about this guy. He's from Indiana. He is from Indiana. Yep. Indianapolis. I think, yeah. Yeah, I don't Bloomington, know. perhaps. He's of music the song before it and the song after it don't sound exactly like it Mm -hmm. and I love that because I was given a lot of rules in my recording days they would tell me when someone buys a Sheryl Crow album (laughs) they want to know what they're going to get and so they want it to sound like and he doesn't abide by any of those rules if he wants to have a more hip hop edge to one song and a more 
bluegrass edge to another song and then a straight folk vibe to another song. He does it all. And mm. he does it all with excellence. And as, as a lyricist, he'll just boggle your mind. Yeah. There's a couple of lyrics from this tune. Does he have an accent? What is he doing here? He is just uniquely himself, man. I'm telling you. Oh, turn this part up. He kind of sounds like Jed. Catch that line. This is how the prophets train. Yeah. He says, because we're wayward sons, all our jokes betray our foolish hearts and our selfish ways. But if we would turn to the Father's grace, we would never be the same. This is an unseen land of a devastated soul that's prepared in contemplative silence for the mighty working hand of an unseen Lord to come restore this land from its violence. I said, walk another mile. Stare across the fields of grain. This is how the prophets train. They don't sing that on Caleb. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No no offense. (laughs) No, that's cool. I dig it. Mm-hmm. Guys, that was fun. That's always fun. Listeners, if you're still with us, thank you for uh, sticking with us this long. Um, that's always fun for me to sit here because both times I'm like, yeah, that's really good music. I should listen to more than what I do. I, I don't think I listen to music anymore. I'm thinking it's just like podcasts only or like NPR or something. Right. So You're that guy. Yeah. You're the guy that wakes up and goes to, what is it, CNN News something. No. No, NPR. I do. Yeah, NPR I do BBC. or BBC. BBC. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah I'm point, on my the news. Point, the point is, yes. I'm not listening to Josh Garrels, but I should. <laughs> it's good. It is very good. All right. Well, um, where are we going next, Barry? What's next? Profits. Profits. This is how the profits train. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're doing profits and um, yeah, hopefully everybody will catch my passion for them. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Well, listeners, thank you for uh, staying with us this week. Um, As always, we've got resources at every campus through the BYOB series. Uh, If you're interested in digging a little deeper, uh, we've got Bibles and uh, the New Testament and Old Testament for everyone stationed at each campus so that uh, if you're interested in learning more about the worlds of the text, you can go check that out at any campus. Barry's on Facebook Live every Tuesday at 730 for about 20 minutes to to usher us through uh, the scripture for the week. And so uh, between now and then, Marin, would you please send us out? I would gladly do justly, love mercy and walk humbly with your God. And we will see you on the other side of Sunday.